I deserve this. I've been working mm. hard my whole life. I've made the sacrifices that are necessary to get me to the place where I am. And I've put in the work and I deserve to do something that feeds me, that fills mm -hmm. me, that brings mm -hmm. me joy. So I think that that's a shift that other women, may, it may also resonate with, but it definitely is something that you have to remind yourself. You're listening to the Independent Mom Podcast, the podcast that shows you how to own your finances, reimagine your motherhood, and live a wealthy life with or without a partner. And I'm your host, Ariel Dean. All right, let's dive in. Hey, independent moms, welcome back to another episode. On today's episode, I sat down to talk with Gabrielle Mallory. And if you have ever thought turning your passion into a business was impossible while doing your day job, you need to listen to today's episode. So Gabrielle Mallory is a diplomat and founder of Gabrielle Ginger, a lifestyle brand that designs handbags, scarves, serveware, and other luxury accessories. She launched Gabrielle Ginger as a passion product in 2019, and it quickly became a pandemic hit during 2021. She has been featured in publications like The Washingtonian, Modern Luxury DC Magazine, and NYC Fashion Blogs. Gabrielle Ginger is committed to refined and intentional design that delivers a polished look with a hint of effervescence and cheer. This episode is not as focused on finances as some of the other episodes, but what I love most about this episode is her story and that Gabrielle managed to turn her passion project into a lifestyle brand, get into luxury hotels, all while maintaining her job as a diplomat and raising her children overseas. And in this episode, she shares how she decided to reimagine her motherhood and her career when starting this business and how it has enabled her to live more of the wealthy life she has always imagined. I'm excited for you to learn more. So let's jump in. Hi, Gabrielle. Thank you so much for joining the Independent Mom podcast. Um, Hello. I, thank you for having me. Yes. Thank you so much for being here. Um, I wanted to jump in. I talked a little bit about sort of your business and and a little bit about your bio, but I'd love for you to just talk about your journey, right? How did you go from your day job, right? This is what I normally do to thinking about, huh, I think I want to start a lifestyle brand <laughs> focused on um, curated accessories for a living. Oh, that's a great question. And so this had been a passion project for years that I'd just been doing at home, talking to friends and family about what I wanted to do, coming up with ideas, but I had not really sort of put it into action. And the thing that really helped me move from just a passion project to a business was COVID, honestly. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just being stuck in the house for so long and having time that I would not have normally had to do sort of the administrative processes that are necessary to go from just an interest and a passion to a business, I was able to, I was able to really get that done. And the, the pandemic also just made me think about what in life is really bringing me joy and making mm -hmm. me happy. And this was the thing. I, um, I really enjoyed my day job, 
but I also just found so much more joy and passion and interest in this sort of other thing, this passion project that I had been working on and thinking about it for years. Mm-hmm. So the the pandemic just really put things in perspective and just gave me the time that I really needed to turn this into action. And I, you know, stuck in the house, two kids and a husband and working and, you know, trying to homeschool <laughs> and do yeah, all no. the things that we were all trying to do during the pandemic. Um, you know, it just, it really did put things in perspective. I, I mean, I think we all could totally agree with that. In general, the pandemic has really put a spotlight on what is important, what do we want to do, but how did you go from Uh, I have this project and I have some time I can do more to saying, oh, I could actually make this a business. Like I actually, like what what did you start doing or how did you start to put it in place to go from, to your point, more of a hobby to, to really thinking about it as a business? Well, I actually, the first thing I had to do was uh, understand what it took to have a business, Mm -hmm. basic stuff like, you know, business plan, business license. So I did lots of research um, in that vein. But then I also had, it's so funny, my husband had a friend who had a friend who had a friend (laughs) uh, who had graduated from Howard University and took off for China and learned sort of the the manufacturing um, and import-export business. Um, Also, he had contacts in the design world. So we reached out to him and he sort of gave me some guidance, some advice on what are the things I needed to do, especially in this space where I was, I wanted to design products for my business. I didn't want to just, you know, buy things that had already been designed. I wanted to put my stamp on these Mm -hmm, things. And mm -hmm. so he really sort of sat us down and talked just about us being me and my husband about what, you know, what I needed to do. Um, what type of assistance I needed to get, what type of talent I needed to reach out to, to help me to, to make this into a business. Mm -hmm. And um, we actually, he had a business and we actually drew up a contract with him and he assigned me some, some design help because, you know, I have ideas in my head, but whether or not that really makes sense and whether or not it's something that I can scale up and actually sell Mm -hmm, to the public mm -hmm. is a different is a different question. Like, yeah, yeah. you know, I may want a bag that has a that has a strap that's 10 feet long, but that's not really practical. <laughs> you know right, right. Yeah. So the design person would talk to me about those types of things. What are the industry standards for purse straps or for whatever the case may be? And so that was the first step going through prototypes. Oh my God, so many prototypes. <laughs> um, that was part of it just trying to understand my financial limitations too, because this was, you know, self-start, self-funded. So I had to really think about, um, you know, and this is our family's money. So I had to really (laughs) think about how much of our money I was leveraging to start this business. So all those types of things were happening and um, it just, it took some time. It was, there were fits and starts, but again, the, the pandemic just allowed for so much time (laughs) where you just, couldn't do anything else. So I was super <laughs> duper focused and had the assistance of, like I mentioned my before, my husband, who was very, very supportive, very interested, wanted to help me, you know, achieve this dream and do everything I needed. And also he was invested because he was like, this is our money. So I, uh... <laughs> so yes, that's, I don't know if that answered your question, but yeah, that's, that's, that's how I sort of uh, made this passion and this dream actionable. 
So let's talk a little bit about, because I talk a lot about finances on this show. How did you think about, like, to your point, how much of this is worth investing in or where do I draw the line? Like, how did you think about balancing what do I think makes sense to to support this business versus like, what should we keep for for the family or like what's going to put us in a place where we feel like we're going to have excessive risk? So um, I'm going to be very candid. We just kind of chatted, uh, my husband and I, we were like, hmm, what's a good number? <laughs> like, what is a good number that we think that we could accept the risk if it completely failed and we lose all of this mm. money like what do we what can the traffic bear yeah, right what yeah. can the, the household traffic bear and i'm i kid you not we were just like spitballing like okay <laughs> is it this much or does that feel like it's too much like duh was it this well are we gonna buy a house in three you know like all right, these types right. of things sort of played into it do we need a car do we need a new car oh private school like all those kind of things mm -hmm. went into it as we were discussing and we just were like we settled on a number as like an initial investment uh number mm -hmm. and we kind of went with it like that was money you know we had this money saved and you know we both agreed we're like we're agreeing right that this is the <laughs> amount of money yeah, right <laughs> and and we did it and that was sort of it I would love to say it was something a bit more complicated and complex <laughs> than that but it really really wasn't because I for so long I had been you know developing excuses as to why I shouldn't and mm. financing is always one of those big things that keep you from getting started yeah. and uh, we wanted to not do that anymore you know mm. not be able to use it as an excuse so we were like this is the number let's do it and yeah that's, that's sort of <laughs> yeah that's that's really interesting because I do right? I think there are so many times when the shoulds talk us out of things right like oh this is going to be too much money or this is not the best way right I should be putting this money towards to your point a house or my daughter's school fees. And so I think getting to the point of being able to say, no, I'm going to bet on this. We're going to bet on it, move it forward and not let the overthinking about the finances determine, you know, the next steps or the path that this can, this can take. Um, what else were you thinking about though, from a family perspective, right? Because were you still working at your current job, but also starting this or because it was COVID you were able to sort of do sort of your business more officially kind of full-ish time, but how have you balanced doing that with more of your kind of full-time and other work? So, yes, I think uh, COVID was a godsend. I know that sounds terrible, but for this, for the launch of my business, I was working full-time in my day, day job, mm -hmm. right? Full-time. And there was a lot going on. But this was something that I was really passionate about and something that I wanted to, to model for my children. I wanted yeah. them to see that I had another passion on pursuing it, that their dad, my husband was supportive of it. I wanted my son and my daughter to see that modeled. Mm. Um, and so, you know, we just made it work. And I, I honestly have to say that you know, I relied heavily on my husband because he had expertise and things that I didn't. So, you know, I, I am the creative, right. Yeah. And sort of the, you know, the general, the, the creative and the direction of what I want Gigi to become. And he had more of finance and business expertise. 
And so working together, we were able to get this off the ground. And I don't think that I would have been able to do it without his help and not without his support. But what was really, really important for me is that my kids saw me working hard, doing my daytime job, but also putting that effort into this passion that, that I have and seeing their dad in support of that. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that is, it is really, it is really difficult. I can only imagine if you were going to try to do this without the support, but I, I love that you wanted, you wanted to show that model, right? That this is where you can both have your career, but pursue something that you're passionate about or pursue something that you want to do. Um, so where are you now? So where is, you know, GG's, how is it, how is it working now? And what are you, what are you doing with the business today? So I think as you alluded to, I am, I'm actually living overseas. So that's part of this story too. I wanted to, I wanted to really expose my children to the, to the world and living overseas was part of that. And so um, my job allowed for me the opportunity to be able to move overseas with my family and for my children to be exposed and they're in international school. And it's a really, really great opportunity that not only helps my day job, but it also helps um, GG Gabriel mm. ginger business. Cause it just gives me so many ideas. I'm seeing different types of products, different types of materials, different styles that I can use to incorporate into my business. Um, however, the business is us based mm. still. And I have it that way for a specific reason, because, you know, my day job kind of makes it really hard for me to move into the European market at this point, but my hope is that if I depart from here, I, my products will be available in European markets. Mm -hmm. So um, at this point, I am in sort of like um, a growth mindset mm -hmm. and I'm trying to determine what new ideas, styles, and trends that I'm seeing here, I can incorporate to what's going on into my products in the U.S. Um, I'm right. still selling, I'm still, you know, publicizing my products. Um, but I think that the clip at which I'm rolling out new products, I have, you know, slowed down a bit because it is kind of hard on being on two continents, trying to run, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> trying to run the business from Europe. But I, I feel like I'm doing so to the best of my ability in a way that I believe is sustainable and that I am projected and hoping to see tremendous growth once I return to the United States and can fully incorporate everything that I have um, absorb into mm -hmm. my products. So talk to me a little bit about, I mean, you talked about this was a passion project. Then you realized you had to learn more about the business side of things. So talk to me a little bit about the journey of how you have evolved the business, right? And where do you hope that it will go next? What are you sort of expecting or where do you want to see it grow and mature into? Um, the journey, how it has evolved. It's so funny when I first started out, I was just like, can, can I do this? Am I, uh, is this really going to happen? And I remember seeing, um, my first sale rolling. I got a notification on my phone and I'm just screaming <laughs> and going, I'm like, Oh my God, it's happening. And so I was super duper, uh, duper excited. And I, you know, you sort of, at the beginning, you sort of just like take what you can get. You're just like, <laughs> okay, it's working. So this is good. But I think the evolution has shown me, given me more information about my customers, my potential customers, mm. what I want the business to look like. I think 
Um, I've had to really stay lashed up to the idea that I want to produce high, very high quality products because doing that is not cheap. Right. And so it's one of the things that I have to reconcile all the time because I really, really want to produce a really high quality product. It costs me a lot of money to do that. So that means I got to charge the commensurate amount. <laughs> yeah. And so every day, you know, I struggle with, okay, setting my, the pricing for my products. But as I have been exposed to more small, medium and large, high quality luxury brands, I've learned that that that's the deal. You got to do it. Yeah. Um, and there's a certain psychology that is associated in sales and, and marketing with higher quality and luxury products that you have to buy into. And it can be really hard mm -hmm. um, for someone like me who is just like, oh, well, will so-and-so buy this? And the average person, will they, do they, can yeah. they afford this? It's just something that you really are constantly working on and thinking about and trying to align with mm -hmm. your business and your products. And so I think going forward, I want to, I want that to become easier for me. <laughs> My trajectory is like, yes. I want to, I want to own it. I want to lean into the fact that yes, you have a, a high quality, high end luxury product, lean into it. That's okay. Yeah. Um, that's okay. It's hard to, you know, it's hard to feel that way when you're just like, you know, you see yourself as just a regular woman from, you know, the U.S., whatever <laughs> you, but you have to think of yourself and your business in those terms that you are, that you've earned that, you've earned that um, status and your products represent that. And, and you have to, you have to do it, especially if yeah. you want to be in the class of luxury items that you want to be in. Mm -hmm. And especially since you are putting so much money into producing these, um, yeah. these products. So, um, so yeah, so it's, it's, it's been, it's definitely been an evolution and something I'm becoming more and more comfortable with as I introduce new products that are really, really great, and, but cost a lot of money to produce. And I want to, and I want to be associated with that luxurious, mm -hmm. um, product and lifestyle. So, yeah, I, I think it's a very common, um, at least I think maybe just for black women, right? I think in general, right? Because one, we always want to remember where we came from, be able to serve the people that may not have all the money, but at the same time, it's like, well, if we want to get to higher levels of wealth, right? We have to do the things that help to drive the business that are going to make money for the business. And honestly, I find oftentimes, right? Because I, I worked on luxury brands in the past, you're probably putting more quality and more attention to detail than even some of these super luxurious brands that are paying a lot, that have a much bigger name, right? Like there's a lot in a brand name that carries that luxury halo, even if the quality isn't even always there. And so owning that, right, really standing by the quality of your product and believing, I think this is one of the biggest sort of mindset to for me, is believing that there are other people who see the value, who will pay for that, right? And who will be those truly right customers for what you want to provide. And that that's going to help to continue to have your business, right? So that you can continue to serve people that maybe aren't being served by other brands in a way that's really interesting and unique. Um, so I think that is really powerful because raising prices, I think is always a challenging one. We're always like, we don't want to be greedy and capitalist, 
but at the same time, right? Like without money, we don't make it. And a lot of businesses, especially black women, we start a lot of businesses, but they don't get past the hundred thousand dollar mark. And a lot of that is because we don't price accordingly or we price too low and then we can't make enough profit margin, you know, and so it's important to, to get serious about those aspects. You just preached a whole sermon, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I mean, I I, we're, I think a lot about it because we, I think we all, we're much more likely to give it over to other people. And I always say, hey, the benefit of us having the money, us, I think Black women, I think especially as Black moms, is we are probably going to put it in the hands of other people that need it more mm-hmm. so than these other people, right? And so by us not asking for the money that is needed, by us not acquiring wealth, we're probably hurting more people that we want to help than we think we are, because then it doesn't put us in a position to actually be able to serve others, to donate, to provide in other ways. And so I think that's also really important to do um, as well. And I don't think we always think about that side of it, right? Like, how can we also be the people who are helping to support these ecosystems and other cultures that some of our counterparts may not be doing. So yes, hundred percent, hundred percent. I needed to hear that word. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> what were there any other mindset shifts? I mean, talking about mindset that you feel like you've had to take on through this business, or that you've had to shift um, in in taking on this business, especially for maybe what was your more traditional role at right, your career versus taking on this role now as more of an entrepreneur and a business owner. So I think that, um, and a lot of women, will, mothers will probably understand, it's like uh, shaking off the mommy guilt. Mm. That, that was a, a huge mindset shift for me because you're like, you're doing your day job, you're doing this passion. And so you feel like you are not neglecting your children um, because you have this idea in your mind of what a good mother is and you want to, you know, adopt some of the great things that your mother did, but also not want to carry on (laughs) the things that some of the things that your mother did. So, you know, you have this model in your mind that it can be a lot, can be quite a burden to carry. And we're doing this to ourselves. Like I have, I'm not blaming anyone else, but myself. And so like shifting my mind away from, you know, this is not good for your children to, this is actually good for your children to see you Mm. doing this. Um, that was a huge mindset shift for me and something that I, you know, uh, constantly reiterate and say to myself all the time, because I, I feel mm. like it's a shift, but a shift that I have to constantly keep working on because those feelings of mommy guilt come up yeah. all the time. I don't know about you, but and they'll make you like, feel guilty. My daughter shall be yeah. like, you never have time to play with me. A hundred, a hundred, a hundred percent. So I think that that was a big shift for me as well. Um, and then I'll also just speak to the fact that, you know, a shift that I deserve this. I've been working mm. hard my whole life. I've made the sacrifices that are necessary to get me to the place where I am. I feel like we have a, I have a successful marriage. I have a successful family. Both my husband and I are, you know, accomplished in our careers and I put in the work and I deserve to do something that feeds me, that fills mm-hmm. me, that brings mm-hmm. me joy. So I think that, um, that the shift that other women may also, um, it may also resonate with, but it definitely is something that you have to remind yourself. 
Yeah. It is hard because I think to your point, we're so, at least for me, right? I think oftentimes we are so used to, well, I should be climbing the ladder, doing the career thing, or being a great mom. And so it's hard to think about these these in-between places, right? Of like, I'm still doing well corporate, right, career-wise, but it's going to look a little bit different because this is actually something that fulfills me. It's not just about career or kids. I feel like sometimes we as moms get lost in the shuffle, right? And it's like, well, do you even want to still do some of these other career things? Or was the goal of all of the education and the access to get to a place where you could do the jobs that actually fulfilled you, as opposed to just having to do the jobs that pay well, right? And so I think Mm -hmm. that is, you know, that is a success and an evolution, I think, as well to make of helping to switch to doing something that is for me and that is a passion is actually a big part of what we should all be able to take advantage of as we get higher and higher in terms of our education and our success. Like maybe that is the next the next rung of on Maslow's hierarchy, right? It's like self-fulfillment or something like that, right? Like we're moving up. It doesn't always feel yes. like it, but it feels yes. like we're moving backwards sometimes. But maybe that is, right, the next level and the next thing that we need to to pursue in that way. Absolutely. But- I think that so many of our struggles, um, professionally, personally, passion, they're all, they're mostly internal, right? They're things that you're having to talk to yourself about and talk yourself through. And I hate to sound so cliche, but sometimes we are our own worst enemies. And so, so like speaking positively to yourself and, and, and reinforcing these ideas that you're, you hear from women around you who are supportive, it is, it's, it's definitely a struggle, but something that I keep trying to hit at every single day. Mm-hmm. So sorry. To, uh, no, 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 no. Ahead. That's great. That's helpful. Mm-hmm. How, how do you like to get more tactical? How, and as much as you're able to share, right? How are you able to balance sort of the work for your passion versus career are you doing everything more like on the weekends in like little pockets or have you actually been very open and clear with your employer around your other business and how you're managing the two of those so honestly it's a little bit every day and I rely on the help of others around me to assist me in the daily operation of the business um so one of the things that sort of compounding my current situation is the fact that I'm overseas in Europe, but my husband is actually in the United States. And so he does a lot, like while I am away for this period of time, he's helping a lot to fill in the gaps. Mm -hmm. Then I also have friends and family and um, people that I pay to assist with some other responsibilities as well. But the great thing about um, my sort of day job is my employer is aware and they see the benefit in using my entrepreneurial drive in my day job as well. So Mm. I'm a a diplomat. And so there is this huge push across globally in the U.S. about supporting women entrepreneurs. And so, you know, they found out about this and they're like, great. We want to use you and your skill set to talk to other women and to build our sort of cadre of women who are entrepreneurs here Mm. in this country um, where I am and just sort of reinforce, you know, our support for for women and especially in places where the status of women may not be as elevated as it should be. 
um, and where sexism sort of runs <laughs> rife. Um, yeah. So I think that I have lucked out and that I am in a situation where my employer sees this as something that's beneficial to my work here. Wow. That's, yeah, that's awesome right. to be able to, because <laughs> that is definitely one of the biggest challenges is how do you, how far do you go before you tell your company, right? Or how do you make sure there's no conflicts of interest and keeping those pieces separate? But it, but it, that's a huge benefit if you're able to continue to support something that you value in your mission and your work um, and that they support that. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. And it wasn't even anything I did. That's why sometimes I'm like, this is ordained because yeah. I did not tell them anything at all. You know, I was very deliberate uh, and intentional about that. And it was somebody found out and then they, it spread like wildfire. And they're like, hmm. this is actually a really great thing. We're going <laughs> to use you like this. So I was like, oh, uh -huh. sure. Okay. <laughs> You're wow. pushing this, not me. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that is amazing though. Uh, but you talked about that you are overseas and your husband's in the U.S. So are you... Are you managing your family and your kids there or are they with your husband? Where, where are your kids right now? My kids are here with me overseas and I am managing them. I want to say fully by myself, but I was so lucky to find um, help here. And I don't know what the term is they use here, but you know, for lack of a better term, I have a nanny that helps me out so much. I don't think I, I could not have done this without her help. Um, and so, um, yes, I have the kids here and I am managing them here with me. <laughs> How was that transition? I mean, it's one of those things I have a friend, we were talking the other day about, um, moving to places. There's a lot of people in the fire movement that move to Mexico or to Portugal. Um, what has that transition been like? Obviously it's sort of your diplomat, so it's probably slightly different, but what was that tradition like for your kids and how have you managed that part of it? Well, you know, I knew it was happening. So I had been talking to them about it, like all the way up until the point where we departed the U.S. So, you know, I was getting them excited, you know, sharing videos and pictures about the, the life that we would be living when we were here, you know, their school, the things that they could do. And I think that um, my daughter, she was like, pumped. she's like, oh, yes, this is going to be awesome. You know, That's my funny. son. Mm, he was like, I don't know. <laughs> um, they both handled it like a, like chance. And, hmm. uh, but the transition has definitely been tough because, you know, we're a very tight knit family and, you know, dads are fun. Moms are yeah. not, dad's not here. <laughs> so they're like, Oh, <laughs> yes. I know and that so all too miss, well. Yeah. They miss dad. Um, but we, we get together as often as we, as we can, we try to stay on top of that. Um, dad comes here as much as he possibly can. We do lots of video messaging every mm. single solitary day. Dad handles purchasing school lunch through the online. <laughs> like, so I make, <laughs> like, we, I really work hard to ensure that he stays engaged, even mm. though he is not here, because I don't want it to be, you know, like you've missed two years right. of your kid's life. These are re really critical years. And so um, the transition has been, you know, uh, has been tough, but it is not so tough that it wasn't, it was something that we couldn't manage. And I think that. 
we have, and the kids especially have managed extremely well considering um, mm. the situation. It's just, you know, this is their first time living overseas. They don't speak the language. They are black children and we're in Europe and like, there just aren't a whole lot. <laughs> there whole, yeah, aren't yeah. a whole lot of black children here. And so, but it's a learning opportunity for them too. And yeah. so they're being stretched and they're being resilient, which I think is really important for um, skills and uh, attributes that you need to imbue in your children. Mm. Yeah. My parents are originally from the Caribbean. And so we go back to the Caribbean. It's often we're going very soon, but we haven't done as much travel. And I do think to your point, so much of it at the beginning, it's always like, well, are my kids old enough? Like my daughter's only seven. Is she old enough to understand? Is it meaningful? But sometimes even at that age, right, just being aware of I'm in a different place or different cultures or different food, right? Exposing them to those areas um, and then seeing how you can, how it impacts them when they come back. I mean, I remember being a kid and we went to Guyana, which is where my dad is from when I was very young. And obviously like the the dollar exchange is very different. And I think a pineapple was like a hundred Guyanese dollars or something like that. And I was just like, oh my God, like this is crazy. So I think even if it's, even if it's young and I don't even remember that much from that trip when we went, but like they were very, there are stark things that stand out, right? And it does, you know, it does become an impression on you as you start to think about money and travel and people, even as you grow older. A hundred percent. It makes an impact. Um, no matter how young, I believe it definitely makes an impact. So I want to dive a little bit deeper into um, Gabrielle Ginger. So talk to me a little bit about, you know, how you thought about what did you want these sort of curated accessories to be? How did you come up with the idea behind it and, and really start to flush it out a little bit more? Well, honestly, my products came about as things that I like, things that I enjoy. Um, for years in the run up to me launching my business, I love to entertain and I was always out and about and um, I just loved the, the, the art and the time that's put into making whatever your situation is, whatever you're doing, just really beautiful. And so I, you know, there were certain things that I, I, I was drawn to. And so um, I thought, you know, I'm going to focus on things that I like. Because, uh, you know, living my life, I, you know, I'd heard from a bunch of people, oh my God, Gabe, I love the way, and Gabe is sort of a nickname that people call <laughs> you. I love the way you did this. I love that. Where'd you get that? And so I, you know, at the time I didn't really put too much thought in it, but I knew that these are things that I like and things mm. that I thought were important to, to making my life easier and making mm -hmm. my life beautiful. So um, that's where I focused. And then I will also say my first item that I dropped, if you will, was a women's bag. And so I was so super focused, like living in Washington, D.C., I was working, doing the mom thing, doing the my career thing, transitioning from work to evening to events, reception, cocktails, galas, <laughs> you know, all these things, but also going to daycare, talking to the nanny, getting bottled, you know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So I wanted, I felt like there was not like bag that existed at my price point that I could transition to from day to night that was stylish, but that was super high quality. Mm -hmm. um, and that 
I wanted to carry. And so that's where I focused my very first product on this bag. And I like, and when I say I went through so many prototypes, I did, I went through so many prototypes because I wanted to make it, because I had this idea in my mind of what I wanted. And honestly, once I, you know, got the designer um, uh, involved, she helped me to understand, well, some of these things that you want are not practical. So let's figure out. (laughs) So let's figure out how to get there and still have a product that's in something that other people want to buy Mm -hmm. and carry. Um, So honestly, um, most of my products come from things that I am focused on and that I want to use to make my life, whatever I'm doing better and more beautiful. So how did you go from bags to scarves to net? Like, how did you decide like, oh, this might be the next thing that I want to get into? So honestly, again, I go back to um, the things that I like. So the bag was sort of the first impetus, but then I'm very much into entertaining and cooking. And so I was like, you know, I really want, uh, I want a platter and I want plates that look like this. And so then I was like, you know what, that's what I'm going to do. I think it used to be that people who produce products or brands or whatever got sort of siloed into I'm only doing flatware like you could uh, mm. like it's crate and barrel all you can do is dishes or whatever but so it's hard to sort of get out of that mindset and so I worked really hard to do that because I was like uh, I don't know how can I go from a bag to a plate yeah and <laughs> so I would talk to my husband and other people about it and some advice that I was getting they were like you know what the 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 market is shifting in you know retail sales and so you don't have to be beholden to these old ideas of how Mm. you develop and make a brand so you know I honestly it's just like okay fine well I'm going to do the things that I really like and one of the things that in addition to the bag I entertain and love to cook and just Mm. make things look really beautiful and scrumptious and lovely so I was like I want to do plates um, and then I was like, a scarf is always useful, no matter where you are, what, yeah. you, what you're doing. So let me just also design a scarf. Um, and so that's just how I hmm. would start to, to develop things. And then I also got ideas from my customers. They're like, you know what? I really like this. I really wish you had X. Mm-hmm. And so I used feedback from my customers to help me to come up with what my next project was going to be. Um, so yes, I honestly, you know, focus on what I like and feedback from my customers. I love that because it's so easy to get caught up in the, well, do I have to do it this way? Can I switch? You know, I think even when I started thinking about the podcast, I had these sort of pillars and I was like, well, does that mean I can talk to these types of moms? And everyone was like, it's your show, right? And I think that's the beauty of when it is your business, it's like, it's your business, right? Like you can create it. If you would have that same interest in these different areas, chances are, right, there may be other people, your customers who would love that same touch of elegance and beauty and design and other aspects and not being so rigid in our interpretation of how we can expand or what the boundaries are um, of what we can do or how we can shape it. So that's, that's interesting that you felt comfortable to take the leap. I mean, imagine doing manufacturing for a bag is very different than doing manufacturing for something like serveware. So how did you, how did you make those sorts of navigations and shifts and what did that process look like? Um, again, I'm going to be very candid. So my manufacturer for my bag 
they had also um, an element to their business where they would advise businesses on all types of things. Hmm. And I availed myself to them. And I said, you know, I, this is not the only thing I want to do. I'm looking at X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. And so I asked them, I was like, do you know of any manufacturers in this space or artisans in this space? Because for my, for my serveware, I use a small artisan out of out of Rhode Island. And so I asked them to help me find someone. I didn't want mass produced products. I wanted products that, you know, um, the, uh, that took some time and some effort and some skill and some passion, whoever was, you know, the manufacturer of them. So I honestly started with my bag maker and asked questions. Do you know anybody in this space? And they'd say yes or no, or like, oh, I have an idea. Here's why don't you give this person a call, check out mm -hmm. this website, talk to, and that's honestly how it all happened. Wow. And I, cause I was just really, you know, I didn't know anything about how, <laughs> how, do, you go, how do you manufacture plates? <laughs> So yeah. I just, I really just asked the resources that were available to me. Mm -hmm. um, I asked those folks and they gave me the answers. And I just, it did take research and calling and getting, mm -hmm. you know, rejected or, you know, whatever. But I just kept asking questions, which was, which has been the biggest, uh, one of the things that I've learned the most about starting a business. You can't be afraid to just ask lots of questions yeah yeah what has been it's interesting because it sounds like you're you're sort of like I thought it would be harder but it actually was easier what has been the biggest <laughs> surprise in in starting this and sort of growing this business the biggest surprise um has been where I where my support comes from like my customers I like, it is so shocking. So of course I have a sort of people who I know who support me, who buy and, you know, buy my products, but then you get support from people who you don't know closely. You may know them tangentially and they, uh, they just get hooked and they become some of your, they have become some of my largest customers, some of my wow. who bought the most. And there are people who don't know me closely at all um but I may know of them like second third fourth hand mm -hmm. but they become a humongous client and buy everything that I sell in bulk and it's amazing wow. like that like things that you 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 would expect that like you know your friend or family member is going to buy all of your stuff all the time. <laughs> that has <Yeah>. not <laughs> that has not been the case for me I found the people who are like several people for removed from me I've become my biggest clients who are buying all the time and who are just like waiting for the next thing to come out <laughs> so they can buy 10 wow. of them and you're like wow so I think that's been a huge um sort of revelation for me but then I also you know I did expect it to be harder not to say that starting this business is easy but you really can get the information you need by asking questions you mm -hmm. just straight up can and just being persistent and just keep keep trying um one of the things that I worked really hard was trying to get some of my serveware into um into resorts and hotels to sell mm, I'm um, just gonna ask because, you about that yeah b2b right? or, yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So I, um, you know, I had in my mind, I was like, you know what, I want my, my flatware to be sold in Salamander Resort, because I was like, you know, Sheila Johnson, she was yeah. such a huge figure in my mind of a successful businesswoman. 
And I was just like, it's never gonna happen. This this is never. so I but I like I'm I kid you not, it was like I don't know, maybe a year of like, you know, emailing, trying, yeah. finding out, figuring out who it is, like looking at the no the nomenclature for email addresses for businesses. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Try names that I found on the internet, like, oh, yeah. let me try this. And it happened. And I, you know, wow. time, but I was just like, what? what? This is amazing. Yeah. So just, if you can think it, you can achieve it. If you yeah. really put some effort behind it. And I feel like I put effort behind it, but it wasn't like as hard as I thought it was going to be. Mm. I thought it was going to be, you know, years. It would never happen. Nobody's ever going to pay attention. I'm just starting out, but it really did happen. And it changed my perspective about like what I, what my business is capable of. Yes. I love that. Because mm-hmm. putting <laughs> it is one of the hardest pieces is, is getting over how much we are told that entrepreneurship is, is hard. Right. And so like you make that first leap and you're like, Ooh, okay, this is going to be hard. It's going to be a battle. And sometimes I wonder if it's because we go in thinking it's hard, right. Does it feel hard? Whereas to your point, if you just kind of go with it and embrace it, if you're persistent, (laughs) but also setting a vision, right. When you can get really clear on what do I actually want this to be and look like, and then putting that same hustle around it that maybe we would have done for a typical job, right? But really doing mm-hmm. that and being as scrappy and um, determined for our own businesses. So I love that story. And it sounds like it happened fairly quickly for you and your business. So I'm sure that has been an awesome boost. So that's great. Congrats. Thank you. Um, so I want to wrap up with our uh, my four um, independent mom questions. Um, and we've talked a little bit about some of these pieces in little ways, but what is one tip or resource the listeners can use right now to get started either on their money or their business journey or their entrepreneurial journey? Um, I would say if you can, um, try to get outside financing, try to get a loan, a business loan. Um, I, I don't regret us using our own money, but your startup can be much easier, much smoother and elicit less um, anxiety if you got even just a little bit of startup money through a loan or, or a grant or something like that. Yeah, no, I think that's that's a really interesting point. We didn't talk too much about sort of other lessons or other things, but that's a great that's a great one to keep in mind. What has been the biggest influence in your journey to creating a wealthy life? The biggest influence um, in my journey to creating a wealthy life, um, staying true to who you are, recognizing what is important to you on or like a foundational moral level, Mm. I mean, and value level. I think as long as you stay true to that, you can have a truly wealthy life. And that does not always translate into money. It can translate into other things. But to me, I feel like I'm not a billionaire or millionaire, but I feel like I am extremely wealthy. I'm Mm. extremely blessed. I want everything that I have and anything more, anything beyond that is a plus. Yes, that's beautiful. That's exactly exactly what I believe as well. What do you most want other moms like you to know? Um, I want them to know that they can do it. And if they don't have one, they need to assemble a cheer squad immediately mm. because that has made the difference for me. I've got my group of girlfriends and they encourage me. They keep me grounded. They push me. They, um, they stretch me. 
Um, and if you don't have that, get get you one. yes yes having some people who can support you especially on a journey like this I'm sure is is important and is powerful and what does being an independent mom mean to you um being an independent mom means to me that I am living my dream um separate and apart from what my family wants from me or what my husband wants from me that I am living my dream and doing what it takes to fill myself because I think that you know you can get caught up in wanting fulfillment and looking for it in other places but if you have to find a way to fill yourself and I think that's important you can't be independent without the ability to maintain who you are and fill yourself and 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 feed your passions standing alone. Yes, yes, exactly. That is great. Um, thank you so much for doing this. What is next for you? What is next for Gabrielle Ginger? What can we, uh, how can we get in touch with you? Well, I think that what is next for me, I mentioned at the top of the interview is that getting my items into the European market, it's really, really, um, it's a, sort of my next big goal. So stay tuned for information on that. I will definitely be publicizing that when I can, when I first get my items into the market here. So that's the biggest thing. And I can be found at all, all of my handles at Gabrielle by Design on IG, Gabrielle Ginger on Facebook, um, and GabrielleGinger.com on uh, the World Wide Web. Awesome. Well, we will link to all of those in the show notes. So thank you so much for doing this. It's been awesome to hear your story and, um, and your journey. And I'm sure the audience is going to love it. It has been my pleasure and my honor. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for joining me today and tuning in to an episode of the Independent Mom podcast. If this episode resonated with you, please comment, rate, and review the podcast. Your feedback would mean the world to me. And until next time, please know that I appreciate you for lending me your time and your ears, and I will catch you in the next episode.